Ruby Ryder here. Welcome to Pegging Paradise Podcast number 287. <laughs> Forget the intro. We're going to dive into your letters. Ba-boom. <laughs> you all are just turning it on going, okay, she's going to read that thing at the beginning, so I have time to go like pour a drink or whatever, right? Uh-uh. We're jumping in, everybody. So, Here is just a little piece of fan mail. Hi, Ruby, just discovered your site. As a guy who loves, all in caps, being fucked by women, your site is a revelation. I particularly enjoy the podcast. It's so good to hear someone talking so openly and honestly about pegging. Plus, I'm glad to hear you find it a hot thing to watch. Anyway, I will follow with interest. And this is from P. P, thank you for this lovely letter of appreciation. I read these. I don't always respond, but I so appreciate getting letters that express your appreciation. (laughs) I know that's a roundabout way of saying it, but you guys know what I mean. Okay, here's my next letter. This one is from Catherine, also known as Andy. The subject is slowly getting my wife on board and erectile dysfunction issues. Hi, Ruby. Thank you very much for your great podcast and the work you do for all of us anal enthusiasts, one ass at a time, of course. I've enjoyed ass play for some time, and I'm slowly getting my wife on board with the whole idea. Naturally, this is in large part due to her listening to the ever-popular episode number 112. That should be mandatory listening for every adult, anal enthusiast or not. I've been a partial cross-dresser for about 10 years now. I wear only panties and own zero men's underwear. I like to wear bras or bralettes, but my wife isn't ready for that very often, at least not yet. What she is getting ready for is playing with my ass. She knows I have butt plugs, including a nice vibrating one from Hot Octopus called the Plex with Flex. (laughs) She also knows that I used to own dildos when I had a job out of town. I guess she coped with that because she figured I needed to have some orgasms while away and didn't just want to jerk off all the time. I also bought her a vibrator and some Lilo balls for her to have fun with when I was away. For a few years after taking a job that allowed me to remain at home, we continued our PIV sex. But when I had to start taking statins and beta blockers, I started having the dreaded erectile dysfunction. The urge is still there and occasionally I can still get hard, but more often than not, it just doesn't happen. This is obviously frustrating to me, both because I want to come, but also because I want to satisfy my wonderful wife. I have always prided myself on my oral skills, and I love the taste and smell of her freshly showered vagina. I could spend all night eating her pussy. However, she then feels guilty that I don't get off, which goes back to the other issue. We've never been very communicative about sex and have never masturbated in front of each other. I am definitely the more adventurous of the two, and I can still come, including ejaculation, when I masturbate. After getting the buzzy toy I mentioned, I really started getting back into anal play. I had bought an Enjoy Pure Plug XL 2.0 a couple of years ago, but rarely used it because it's a huge piece of stainless steel, and I wasn't ready for it. I found that I was able to get it inside me more easily after I loosened up with the Plex. I've been having great fun with them both, but after listening to some of your podcasts, including the Epic 112, I got up the nerve to bring up the topic with my wife. She was very standoffish, but was game enough to actually listen to it. 
As I mentioned, I enjoy cross-dressing too, and we talked more about both that and anal sex. She said the cross-dressing, at least the bras, bothered her more than my anal fixation. A couple days later, she said she would be okay if I bought a toy for my ass and she would use it with me. I was thrilled and immediately started shopping. I chose an Enjoy Pure wand. I've become a fan of stainless steel in my ass, and the shape of that seems like it will be fantastic for hitting my prostate. I also bought an anal douche bulb and a lube shooter. These are all on order and should arrive tomorrow. I also want to buy a realistic dildo, and I might pick one up later today. I like the look of a cock, and I guess I'm bi-curious or whatever they're calling it these days. I have no interest in kissing or cuddling a man, but I would sure love to suck his cock and have him fuck me like the slut I am. Anyway, I wanted you to know what a fan I've become of your work. I would also be interested to hear or read your input about all of this. At some point, maybe my fantastic wife will let me wear my beloved bras and lingerie and maybe even get the courage to peg me. I would so love to hear the music played for me. Huzzah! And it signed Catherine. <laughs> what a delightful letter to receive. Catherine, thank you so much for sending this in. The issue of cross-dressing and what I would call really embracing your feminine side, because I think that that's often what's happening with you receivers who decide to do some cross-dressing or have always had the urge possibly to cross-dress, is that a large part of it is embracing that feminine side of yourself. And that can mess with the gender stereotypes that people have inside them. Like maybe, I, I don't know, I can't read your wife's mind clearly, but think of it this way. If you've grown up your entire life thinking that it's not okay for guys to wear women's clothing, and that it means a whole variety of things which are all incorrect, but you've been taught that ever since you were a kid and everybody talks about it that way and everybody believes that. It can be a really hard thing to get past, to kind of reprogram yourself. This does go back to the whole masculinity issue. It's like, I really want a partner who's masculine, who's strong, who embodies all of those lovely male characteristics that I so love and enjoy. And at the same time, how can I allow them to put women's panties on or little women's bras on and think that, you know, that's okay. That is, I think, the stumbling block that a whole bunch of partners who have partners who want to cross-dress, receivers who want to cross-dress, that, that's the, the block that they come to. I don't have any magic wands. I wish I had a whole bunch of magic wands. But the slow but sure and, and the, the gentle um, introducing is sometimes a whole lot easier, clearly, than just diving in 100%. So it sounds like you're already quite familiar with that concept. One of the things I can think of to try is if there's any kind of in-between sort of lingerie that is made for men, and it clearly has a pouch in the front for your bits, right? Or your dangly parts, because, you know, bits, Im I don't know, the word bits implies like something small. <laughs> so I like dangly parts better. <laughs> Nonetheless, it's something that is made for men, but still has some flair to it, some fun. And maybe a little bit of femininity might be an in-between place to go. 
There are a couple of podcasts that I've done on cross-dressing. I'm not sure if you've run across those yet, but I will put the links to those in my links section because I'm fairly sure that there are some links to some cross-dressing and like men's undies in both of those. Usually there's a bunch of links that I include in there that you lovely receivers who love to, to switch up your dressing have sent to me. So perhaps those might be something that, you know, if she can just go through and pick one that she would thinks that she would like to see you in. And that way it can be a gradual sort of evolving in that direction. I know this is such delicate and tender and Ooh, touchy territory, because as much as you crave having these lovely feminine silky things on you, there's only so much a partner can handle and be okay with and feel okay with. So it's a dance that requires subtlety and understanding, compassion, patience, and above all communication. So I'm really glad that you listened to podcast number 112, because that's the beginning of starting some really excellent communication excellent communication. I'm not sure if more conversation might help just in terms of what is it that seeing you in the bras and panties disturbs her? What What is it about that that disturbs her? Is it because she thinks that you might have a different sexual orientation? Is it because she thinks that you don't look masculine and it turns her off? Is it, I mean, there's a bunch of different possibilities. Maybe if you guys talk about it a little bit more, um, you might be able to get a little bit further, but it sounds like you're already walking down that road anyway. So that's really all the input I have for you um, along those lines. As far as your beginning anal play, one of the suggestions I have is to get some kind of a plug that has a remote control and put it in while you're doing um, PIV. You know, if you can get hard, then try that. Uh, Try a cock ring as well. I'm going to put a link to a cock ring. You may have already tried this, so if you have, then disregard that suggestion. But cock rings are meant to prevent the backflow of the blood. So it is meant to keep the cock hard or harder. So on those times when you can get hard, it might help a little bit. But one more thing to consider would be a strap-on. Remember, they do make strap-ons for men to wear, and since you're running up against this whole erectile dysfunction thing, you might consider that. I'll put a link to the article that I wrote about it and all the different reasons why strap-ons used by cock owners can be a wonderful thing, and certainly erectile dysfunction is right up in there. Being able to satisfy your wife, absolutely. The last thing I'm going to tell you is something it made me think of in terms of just in terms of your communications with her. When you talk about this, because you're having erectile dysfunction, it would be wonderful, clearly, if she could fuck you because you can achieve a large measure of satisfaction and pleasure from having anal penetration when you are unable to get your cock hard and have PIV. And one of the guys that I interviewed put it this way. He said, you know how you love feeling me inside you? You know how much you love that? I love feeling you. I would love to feel you inside me too. When I was talking about this, I forgot that she hadn't done it yet. But yes, that is one way to approach the whole thing is like, I would love to feel that too, especially since it's really difficult for me to get hard now because of the medications that I'm taking, that kind of thing. So that's one last suggestion. 
The most important component is absolutely the communication. That has to be there. So Catherine, Andy, <laughs> thank you so much for writing in. And keep walking down that path and having a good time with each other. And enjoy that. Enjoy Pure One. Let me know how you like it. <laughs> it's one of my favorite toys. It really totally is. Okay, here's my next letter. Hi, sorry for the barging in. Wasn't sure who to ask this to, and I know your experience. Straight to the point, me and the girlfriend are trying out pegging. We've just ordered the Strap-On-Me 3 motors based on your review, but we have two questions. Number one, we've tried water-based lube before, but it dries pretty quick. We've also read that we shouldn't use silicone-based lube on silicone toys. So what alternatives do we have? We also heard about a non-lubricated condom and then silicone lube on top of that so as not to damage the strap-on. Number two, what harness should we go for? We saw in your review you had one there, but without holding back, it's just too expensive for us. The dildo was already a huge jump. We are definitely worried about the position of the O-ring, though, but also a little bit lost. Strap-on Me brand has some that we found, but their O seems to be too high and not an entrance for a double-ended strap-on. Okay, so... We're in the EU, otherwise would have used your links too. Thanks a lot for your content. It helped us, a young couple, get rid of the shame and go for it. I love that last sentence. I am so happy that whatever I put out there in the world has helped you get past the shame and go for it. The first question about your lube, if you can get it over there, you can use Sliquid Silk, S-I-L-K. It is a hybrid lube. It has 12% silicone and it absolutely will not harm your toy, I guarantee you. Part of it is because there's only 12% silicone in there, but the other part of it is that it's kind of a myth that you can't use silicone lube with silicone toys. The vast majority of people who do have really good quality silicone lube and really good quality silicone toys, and they clean them right afterwards, and there's no problem at all. The problem arises that when you get those substandard toys that really aren't 100% silicone, but they say they are. I don't know what it's like over in the EU, but over here in the United States, they can actually lie on the label about it, so I'm not sure what the rules are over there. But rest assured, the Sliquid Silk is a wonderful option. If you can't find that, you probably can find some of the powdered lubes over there. And I would suggest that you use X-Lube. There is only one ingredient, and it is actually certified as non... Uh, what is it called? Non-cytotoxic, meaning it won't kill cells, um, by German rules. So... Xlube. I will put a link to somewhere on the internet that I found this because there's not very many places that have it. And it's a powdered lube and you mix it up. Now you can only mix up as much as you need. You cannot save it. You cannot put it in the fridge. It will not keep. But it's very, very slippery and it absolutely will not harm your toy. And there's only one ingredient. So that is something that you can use. You can also try coconut oil if you like. Coconut oil is um, antibacterial. And it's not quite as thick and cushiony, but that is an option as well. Uh, and you're absolutely right. Water-based lube dries pretty quick. I'm not a fan of water-based lube. I'm really not. It's just you just have to keep putting it on anally anyway. It might be lovely for vaginal penetration, but not for anal sex. So there you go. Um, let's see here. What harness should you go for? If you are looking for a good harness that isn't too expensive... 
and let's see, you're on a budget. You know, the first thing that I would tell you to do, I'm going to put a link to the, uh, the scarf harness, the do-it-yourself scarf harness, because that will work with a double-ended toy. It really will. It's not ideal, but it will work. And that way you can save up while you're playing with this toy. And because the, the scarf harness actually works really well, it works amazingly well. And so that way you can use the scarf harness while you're saving up to get the harness that you want. You're absolutely correct that the Strap-On-Me fabric harnesses that they sell, I do not recommend for doubles. Part of the reason I don't is because they just are not made with the best materials in terms of the strength of the um, elastic bands and everything. So it doesn't hold you as snugly as it really needs to. But the other reason is because they have a lap over fabric that gets in the way. It is attached in such a way that by the time you pull it down to get that toy inside you, it just bunches up the fabric and messes everything up. It's kind of hard to describe, but believe me, I tried it. So yeah, forget the strap on me harnesses for doubles. And let's see, I actually would consider a rodeo harness. Rodeo harnesses are made a little more sturdily. I do not know what kind of body shape your partner has, your the girlfriend has. So um, there are a couple of other options in the spare parts world. That would be the, the basic brief and also like the boxer briefs. Now those tend to be pretty expensive harnesses. So that's why I mentioned lots of everything in between. Rodeo harnesses are kind of medium high quality. They're Absolutely not as good as Strap On Me, but they are serviceable and they're fairly well made. Specifically, the Rodeo High Rise Lace Panty Harness. It actually has two O-rings, so you can figure out which one would be the best, but that's a nice high-cut panty that's a very snug fit, and I find that it's an excellent alternative for the double enders when you're using a double dildo. So that's probably the one I would recommend. And looking at their website, I see that they offer it in two colors now, red and black and just plain black. Uh, so that's probably what I would recommend. I'm gonna put the links to all of those in the links section, the rodeo harnesses, the regular brief from spare parts, the boxer brief, and what else did I tell you? Oh, and the graphic, for how to do the scarf harness. Now, I use this, the do-it-yourself scarf harness, which by the way, every single time I mention this, I really need to let you know that Midori gets credited for this. Midori, the queen of all things tied and Shibari, an amazing, amazing person in our kink community, she gets credit for this. And the graphic I'm gonna send you has uh, some kind of other Asian characters. I don't know what language it is and I can't read it, but you don't need those. It has a visual and that's why I'm sending you the graphic so that you can see how to tie it. I use that strap on the, the do-it-yourself scarf harness whenever I have toys that don't fit in the harnesses that I have, like my bigger toys. But it will absolutely hold in a double as well. The reason I suggest the panty style harnesses is because with that double, what you really want to do is something very is have a harness that's really snug that is like a tight-fitting pair of panties, because then it holds it in really well. But scarf harness will work for a while. And 
There's a couple of other links I'm going to send you that I usually send out in my equipment webinar that are um, rope harness that you can tie yourself. So you can experiment with these and see which one you like the best. There's a couple of different tied harnesses I'll give you the links to. Let us know how it goes. <laughs> wow, you just ordered it and you probably, let's see, this is on December 6th, so yeah, you probably have used it already, so let us know how it went. <laughs> thanks for the letter and thanks for the questions. Okay, here is my next one. The subject here is pegging anus angle. This is from Freaky Rabbit. <laughs> I enjoy your website and the information you provide. Have you ever written about particular pegging angle? Not sure if this is due to my particular anatomy. I have forward tilted pelvis, but when my wife pegs me. About four inches deep, I feel some dull pain, some resistance. First, I thought she was hitting the curve of the sigmoid bend. Since the bend is supposed to be about five to six inches deep, I started doing research and found out photos like these. And let's see here. Hold on while I look at these links. <laughs> One second. Okay, so both of the illustrations that he has linked to show uh, a hand and a finger going in and doing what is called a digital rectal exam. And it appears as if there's almost a bend right where you put the finger in. Like if you were looking at somebody from the side, it seems to go uh, straight and then take a turn. I don't know that these are accurate, but here is what I do know about the four inches in difficulty. There is a muscle that attaches to the pubic bone, slings around the rectal canal, and reattaches to the pubic bone. It's called the puborectalis. At rest, this muscle's job is to be contracted. What it does is it pulls the rectal canal over to the side and creates a bit of an angle. I do not know, when I look at the illustrations that you gave links to, I think it's in the other direction. The point being, that, first of all, to give you an idea of how this works, um, the reason that they sell this particular thing called a squatty potty, what is a squatty potty? It is a stool that you pull up to your toilet, so when you're sitting on the toilet and you're having a bowel movement, you put your feet on this little stool, and what it does is it, it makes your body go into kind of a squatting position so that your knees are close to your chest. What that does is it softens that bend that the puba rectalis puts in the rectal canal by pulling it over to the side. It kind of cancels it out a little bit. So when you, whenever anybody says about four inches in, you know, it's this thing, because basically the, the measurements that you gave about five to six inches in are not quite correct from the opening of your anus to that rectosigmoid junction, which is where inside your body takes a 90 degree turn. That varies from six to seven and a half inches from the best that I could find on Google. I looked everywhere and finally found these measurements. So that's the information I have about that distance. If it's pretty short, like four inches in, it is almost certain to be the puborectalis, unless you've got something else medical going on. But try the knees to chest and see if that doesn't help. Because certainly one of the tips that I give in my beginner's class is that if you go in and it just doesn't feel quite right, try a different angle because sometimes that'll make all the difference. Now, 
One other thing to just take note of, just as an aside, is to realize that the rectal canal isn't this just straight, smooth inside tube. It has these weird things called rectal valves, and uh, they're in there, and they're like little protruding little things. And so um, if you go in there with a the dildo and hit one of the base of those, it may not feel all that comfortable. It may not be painful, but it may not feel like it's going in very easily. And you've already passed that initial sphincter on the outside of your rectal canal. So I advise people to turn it around, try a different angle, you know, take it out, reinsert it, that kind of thing to try and get past that. Because if you change the angle just a little bit, you're not going to be hitting at the base of it. So that's another thing. I teach about that in my beginner's class. So try the knees to chest and see if that is it. But you know, I got so involved in talking about all this. Let me read the rest of your letter. <laughs> I think it's the first time I've done this. From these photos, I can see that there is a bend in the rectum before sigmoid bend. And it appears that the dildo should be inserted in a different angle. Last time while I was pegged, I was able to tilt my pelvis forward and the pain stopped and I could feel the dildo going deeper. But I also got farther this way from the harness, reducing, reducing bit the, uh, I think what you wanted to say here is reducing a bit the insertable length. I have yet to explore other angles my wife could do to help with this. I hope you can give me some information. Thank you, Freaky Rabbit. So yeah, that is pretty much what we're talking about. As I mentioned, when you say that there's a bend in the rectum before the sigmoid bend, I don't think that's correct in those illustrations. I think that the act of the finger in there pressing in to do the rectal exam is what it makes it appear that there's a bend there. It's a very flexible wall, the rectal wall, because you can imagine things of all sizes go in there. So it kind of expands and it's pretty stretchy and all those sorts of things. So I think it appears that there's a bend, but there's really not. If there is any kind of a bend, it's because of that puborectalis putting uh, the bend in it and pulling it over to the side. I'm going to put a link to the diagram that I use in my class to show you what I mean by that. But try knees to chest. Like if you're in missionary, you can just do knees to chest. Or if you are face down in what I think they call the child's pose, child's yoga pose, uh, that could also work. But anything where you can put knees to chest, even like the little spoon, right? If you're spooning. So give that a try. Let me know how it goes. Usually that is the problem. Thanks for your question. Here's my next letter. So, hey, I had somebody write back from a question a long time ago. Oh my gosh. It was in 2017, believe it or not, podcast number 160. And there was a giver who wrote in asking about combining chastity with pegging. So I talked about that on that podcast and we went back and forth a little bit about it in terms of equipment and stuff like that. And I just got an update. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I rediscovered your podcast and website recently and realized that I never told you how everything went. Well, here's an update. My boyfriend is now my husband as of three years ago. It turned out that pegging him with a chastity device on after a decent amount of time in chastity makes the experience much more pleasurable and intense for him. I love it too because it's fun for me to see him experience that. I had never heard him moan like that until then. I think he experienced an anal orgasm, but I'm not sure. Luckily, he never stays excited, quote, end quote, very long during pegging, so there wasn't too much of that discomfort you warned about. 
Since then, we've done this a handful of times with various lengths of time in chastity. I have even had some encounters with other men in the meantime with my husband's encouragement. I guess this adds a layer of humiliation and excitement. My only concern is that I don't want this type of play to be overused. That's to say, rely on it too much. I also feel a slight bit of guilt sometimes about the humiliation aspect of it. I'm not a mean person. I try to be sweet and kind to everyone, especially those I love. It's just hard for me to get in character sometimes. I hope this finds you well, and I hope you have happy holidays ahead and a happy new year. And this is from Jill. So Jill, wow, <laughs> that letter was from 2017. Congratulations on getting married. It's funny when you put the sentence in there, starting out with my boyfriend is now my husband as of three years ago, it turned out that pegging, and I, I, I fully expected you to say, <laughs> made him want to marry me. <laughs> But it was lovely to receive the update, and clearly that may have been a factor. Who knows? <laughs> he was happy enough to propose, or perhaps you proposed to him. I should not assume. I'm glad that you guys are having a good time with that. Okay, so let's talk about this humiliation thing that you're concerned about. All three things that you're doing, the pegging, the chastity, and the encounters with other men, with your husband's encouragement, all three of those are viewed by society as humiliating. So you can do them any way you want to. They don't have to be humiliating. Just like I say, you can do pegging any way you want to. Combine it with chastity, you can still do it any way you want to. You can do it as one more way to perhaps bring his focus back to you, because often that is what chastity does when you have that for a few days. But also the pegging can be done as one more way to centrally make love. Now, the cuckolding is very, very interesting because that is so seen as a humiliating thing by society, but I think that is widely misunderstood. Now, it doesn't have to be that way either. It can be humiliating because that can be part of the kick for him and or you, or it cannot be that way and it's just a loving thing to do and he gets turned on by it, but it's not humiliating at all. In other words, he doesn't get turned on by the humiliating aspect of it. So that can be one scenario. And if it's just that you are reacting to society's whole view of those three things, which all happen to have sort of pretty strong connotations with humiliation, take a deep breath and let all that go. But you do mention something about it's hard for you to get in character. So what I suspect is that he kind of enjoys the humiliation aspect. So I'm not really sure what he's asking for. Sometimes humiliation can just be a sort of teasing embarrassment. In other words, I personally differentiate between just um, teasing someone and trying to embarrass them a little bit. Like for example, say they are caged and you are fucking them to be to say something like you are such a little slut your ass is so hungry for this and you know you love sitting there caged at home while i go out and have my fun with my other partners that to me is kind of a teasing embarrassing sort of thing that certainly can feel very humiliating however on the other hand a different sort of humiliation which i actually term degradation it, and some people really, really enjoy it, and this is their kink, is being told they're kind of not worth anything. It's, in other words, it would be very, very different is if while you were pegging him, you were saying something like, 
um, yeah, we do this because your cock doesn't work and it's too small and I don't like it. And I like going to see these other guys because they're so much better than you and you're worthless. See the it's a stark difference between the two. Now the first, I think that it would be a whole lot easier for you to engage in rather than the second. And you know, you might be one of those people that are so sweet and, and doesn't like saying not good things to people that it's hard to do even the first example of just the teasing, embarrassing kind of humiliation. But that is just sort of a teasing fun thing, as opposed to sort of what I would call breaking someone down or insulting them. And believe me, there are people who get off on that as well. And that would probably be really difficult for you. I can certainly see that. So it depends on where he falls in, in between those two somewhere. Hopefully it's the first one, because I think that would be more easy for you. But you need to do what you're more comfortable with as well. You know, between the two of you, there needs to be a compromise. So talk about it and ask him, you know, how you may have already done this, but have a conversation about, okay, when you want me to humiliate you, if that is indeed what he wants, how do you envision that? What do I say? What do I do? What makes you feel humiliated? Because once again, it's, it, it's the word. Sometimes when people say dominant, there's so many different ways that you can define dominance and what people think of and mean and define that as. So make sure you're on the same page with that. And like I say, you may have already done that, but it might help you in that regard. As far as overdoing it, as long as you two keep checking in with each other, as long as you're having fun, as long as it's not causing any adverse effects on other parts of your lives, have a party. <laughs> you know, I'm really serious about that. Um, it's okay to be concerned, but I really don't think you have anything to be concerned about if, as long as it's all above board, as long as it's not causing, like I say, negative reactions and re, um, results in other parts of your lives and you're having a good time. So yay. I mean, this is absolutely one of my fantasies to have a guy live in and have him wear a cage and then peg him and go through different periods of that. You know, I'm such a fan of Cox and I've said this before that I, you know, I have a love hate relationship with the whole chastity thing. Because, you know, if a cock is in my home and sleeping with me every night, <laughs> oh, talk about objectification, I'm going to get shit for this. <laughs> I'm all over it, man. I'm grabbing and I'm having a good time with it because I so enjoy that part of the male anatomy. Oh my God. So caging it up is like, yeah, it's kind of frustrating for me too. So there you have it. <laughs> right now on the internet, a whole bunch of people have gotten together and done this thing called Cuck Week because when you're married and the guy has, the wife goes out and sleeps with other men, that is called cuckolding, okay? And there's a whole bunch of reasons why people do cuckolding, but that is absolutely seen as something that's humiliating. And once again, that's a misconception. Sometimes it is, and sometimes it isn't. Dr. David Lay wrote a book called Insatiable Wives. Women, uh, women who sleep with other men and the men who love them. I can't remember what the byline is on that, what the, what the subtext is or whatever you call that, but I will link to it. And when he wrote that book, that's exactly what he was writing about. And right now there's a whole bunch of bloggers 
Dan Savage just did a show on it where he interviewed David Lay. There's so many different things that are happening right now. It turned into be this big thing. I was quite happy to see it existing and happening and, and all kinds of people rallying and contributing, including Dan Savage, because cuckolding is very much a kink that's misunderstood, exactly like you're talking about. It's misunderstood to be horrible and humiliating and, you know, you're, you're a sucker if you have a wife that goes and sleeps with other men. Sometimes it is the perfect thing in a relationship. Okay, Jill, thank you so much for the update. <laughs> I had a good time with that letter. Okay, here's my next one. The subject is man box, which you know, you all know, I've been talking about a fair amount lately, especially, especially all the stuff that I posted in uh, Movember. Hi, your concept of the man box. First, if that's an original phrase, take credit because it says so much. The moment I read it, I knew what you meant. And I knew that I felt it, even suffered from it for years. There's a horrible, suffocating level of expectation for what men must be, do, and look like. It's so important for men to explore and for women to say, it's okay to step out of the man box. Although sometimes I wonder if women are as afraid of men stepping out of the man box as men are themselves. Anyway, I could go on here, but I won't. I'll just say that I think you're onto something here, and if I can help in any way, let me know. I so appreciate that letter. Thank you. This is from Jonathan, and uh, this was my response. Um, this phrase was coined by Tony Porter on a TED Talk, and I will put the link to that TED Talk, but really it originated with um, Paul Kivel's work, K-I-V-E-L, and his work was with the Oakland's Men Project like 40 years ago, and they called it in that men's group the Act Like a Man Box, and then Tony Porter kind of shortened it up and made it go viral and big because he did the TED Talk, but... And the reason I know a little bit more about this partly is through Wikipedia, but also, you know, I have been listening to the Remaking Manhood podcast that Mark Green does, and they had Paul Kibble on, and he talked about the whole thing and how all this started like 40 years ago. It was such an amazing podcast. I'm getting a lot out of that. I have a lot of different podcasts that I can listen to when I'm driving or doing the dishes in the morning. Those are usually the two times I choose to listen to podcasts. I don't even do it when I work out because I need some rhythm and music when I work out on the elliptical, but I'm, I find myself continuing to turn to Remaking Manhood because I so enjoy each one. And there's a news podcast I listen to, and sometimes it's like, you know what? I just don't want to hear some of the bad news. <laughs> I just want to hear Remaking Manhood <laughs> and hear how there's this amazing section of men. Uh, section isn't the right word, but you get what I mean. The groups of men that are really diving in and exploring all this. And I just commend your courage. I'm so impressed with you all. So yeah, I'll put the link for the Remaking Manhood podcast in the links as well. And thank you for expressing that. The reason I read your letters is because of the eloquent way with which you described it. Horrible, suffocating level of expectation. Ooh, there's a weight uh, with those words. That's intense. Thank you for the letter, Jonathan. Here's my next letter regarding your latest podcast, number 286. I suspect we all have issues which hit a nerve or two. And just joking is one which really bothers me. And this person was responding to me talking about sexualizing people who write me and sexualize me. Okay, so the letter goes on to say, 
I've seen this scenario play out too many times. Someone says something very likely to upset a reasonable person. I stress reasonable, as there are people looking to be offended who have their own issues. When the speaker gets called out on it, the response is, I was just joking or something similar. In reality, they were testing the water to see if they could get away with it. They knew damn well what they were doing, and just joking is their way of trying to get out of it. What they said in the first place is how they really feel. They just don't want to be held responsible for saying it if enough people push back. Yeah, I would have to agree with that. You know, that is the automatic out when you're pushing that boundary line of whatever it is you're saying, whether it's insulting or making fun of someone or sexualizing someone. The just joking, yeah, that drives me nuts. Usually my response to that when I when I call someone out and say, whoa, you know, what the hell do you mean by that? And it's like, I was just kidding. I was just joking. I said, well, okay, I'm not laughing. You know, that's usually what I say. I am not laughing. So yes, thank you for that letter because... I would be happy if uh, that didn't happen to me at all for the rest of my life. <laughs> Where people try and excuse stepping over that line with, I was just kidding. And instead they would say something along the lines of, oh, wow, so I didn't mean to offend you. Can we talk about this? You know, that would be nice. Okay, Fred, thanks for the letter. Here's my next one. So this letter is one I got back, uh, remember, in November where I made that challenge to put my bodacious tatas on the internet once again for the second time in new outfits and also no outfit at all, <laughs> which is on my website, of course. And I announced that with my last podcast. Uh, this was in response to that mailing that I did. It was one of the donors and it says, it's so good to hear from you. Liking the tats. Now, uh, I don't know whether you mean my new tattoo because I didn't send a picture of that or you just missed an A and liking the tatas. <laughs> Nonetheless, here we go on with the letter and it gets more serious. Having trouble communicating how I feel about how much I need pegging. My wife has been amazing, but it is too regimented. Your idea of being able to fuck your partner in the arse at any time is so delicious. The idea of being grabbed and taken would be wonderful. I would love that. I need fucking every day. It's such a wretched existence. So difficult to keep a handle on this. This is unfair on you, but I need your advice. How do I get my wife to meet my desires but not upset her when she has moved so far already? I feel I haven't been honest enough to make her understand how wonderful it is to receive a really good pegging. I have not been able to be honest about how much I need loving pegging to be as normal as PIV. Big hugs, D. So D, here's the deal communication is the thing. You, you said yourself right here, I feel I haven't been honest enough. So in whatever words feel right and true and authentic to you, sit down with your wife and be honest with her. One of the suggestions is something I already told somebody on this podcast to compare it to, you know how much you love it when I am inside you I love it that much when you are inside me too. And it touches a deep part of me that doesn't get touched any other way, especially as a man. Or I'm just throwing words out there. Use ones that feel right to you. But in a serious moment, perhaps taking both of her hands in yours and looking her right in the eyes, let her know that this is something you absolutely and totally love. 
and crave a lot and maybe even be honest about, you know, I crave it so much that I'm kind of embarrassed about it. One of the things I've talked about on this podcast a few times, because I think it's such a valuable thing, came from Brene Brown and she called it a relationship hack, is when you're in a situation like this, what you do is you say, I've been embarrassed to tell you about this because I'm making up a story in my head that somehow if I tell you how much I crave this and I would love for it to be as normal for us as PIV and, you know, a constant part of our sex lives that you will judge me, that you will reject me and that it will affect our relationship negatively. That is the story that I'm making up in my head. And that is why I've been so afraid to talk to you about this. But that's what the reality is. And so I would like to talk about that now. Something like that. But you know that thing about I'm making up a story in my head? Because you don't know how she'll react if you are honest with her. She has come a long, long way. But if you at least put it out there and maybe even follow up with saying, look, this is not a demand. This is an expression of how I feel. I just want you to know that this is where I am because I suspect you may think that I'm quite happy with how often we do it now. I'm very happy that you're doing it, but I would like it so much more often. And I don't want to put pressure on you and I'm not making demands. I want you to just understand the feelings I have inside me. And hopefully we can move closer to each other and have a compromise and figure this out. So yeah, there's a bunch of words for you. I don't know if they will help, but you are not the only receiver out there who has expressed this. In fact, on the Discord chat, there's been a few receivers who have expressed this quite eloquently as well. And it really just, oh, it, um, I felt for you when you said it's such a wretched existence. Oh, yes, when you really, really want something so much from your partner and you're not getting it. And it's, it just touches some part of you so deeply because I've been told that over and over and over again about the pegging thing and that it's really hard. So I feel for you receivers out there. Oh my gosh. And the only thing I can do is give you words. And, and then of course, at some point in time, if it's warranted, if you feel like it might be a good idea, therapy to try and figure it out, if you feel like that would help. But that is the advice I have Um, and it wasn't unfair to ask me what I thought. (laughs) It was really okay. That's kind of why I'm here. Uh, and I'm happy to contribute, but please always, always understand not just you D, but anybody who writes in and asks for advice. I trust you all to use your intuition and use your more complete knowledge of your situation to decide if the advice that I give is it all right for you? And if it's not, by all means, throw it in the trash and go your own way. I'm just putting out there what I think might help, but you are the final authority. So good luck with that. And I hope that you do someday have pegging as normal as PIV. That would be a lovely thing. Even if it was, okay, I'm going to use my hand to do this, or I'm going to set you up with a fucking machine and watch you while I lay on the couch and masturbate because you're over there moaning. I mean, there's a lot of different alternatives here. And of course, it is a different experience 
than being gathered up in someone's arms and solidly and soundly fucked. But there are in-betweens that might be also satisfying. Uh, butt plug while you're doing PIV, hand her the remote. I am so big on these remotes <laughs> because I'm so big on control. That's why these always come to mind. All right, moving along here. Thank you so much for the letter. Good luck with that. Here's my next letter. Hi, Ruby. I've had the opportunity to check out your social media and blog posts over the last several years. Love everything you do for the community in such a sex positive way. I'm reaching out because I was hoping I could maybe solicit some advice from you. My wife and I have been together for 20 plus years. We have a fantastic relationship and have no issues with our sex life, infidelity or anything like that. I mean, we don't even argue or bicker about anything. We have a busy family life, but still find more than enough time to be with each other intimately. And on average, we play every other night of the week, if not every night, and occasionally more than once in a single day. We love and are wild about each other. I need to share another detail that might be relevant here, and that is we are very sex positive and occasionally invite others to join us in the bedroom or join them in theirs, swinging, but not an open relationship or anything like that. We always play with others together and have never had any sort of jealousy issues from the first time we tried it out. Aside from occasionally being insecure about our own bodies at times, we have a phenomenal sex life and she discovered that as much as she enjoys playing with guys, she also enjoys playing with girls too. Fast forward to my reason for emailing, pegging, and anything related to her playing with my butt seems to be a non-starter for her. It took me years to build up the courage to tell her that I had an interest in it, and I was kind of insecure about it. And when I finally did, it didn't go the way I planned. I asked if we could experiment with pegging. She kind of took a swing at it with a handheld toy and didn't seem to enjoy it. She said she thought about it and decided that pegging was just not for her that she, quote, didn't get pleasure from thrusting, but rather rubbing, end quote, and it just wasn't something she cared to do. I've asked over time if she could do other things, like grabbing, massaging, or teasing, P-spot stimulation, but she rarely takes the initiative to do so. That sounds harsh, but that's not how I mean it, as I suspect she believes all roads will lead back to pegging. I feel like I have to ask for it rather than her mixing it into the regular play sessions we have on her own. Did I completely screw things up because I jumped straight to asking about pegging rather than something more tame? I spent a lot of time thinking about this, fantasizing about it, probably way too much time doing this, and I'm just at a place where I feel I shouldn't push anymore or ask her, but I'm also thinking there's a possibility that I'm missing something, thinking about it the wrong way or need to do something differently. What do you think? Though I don't know you, I value your opinion a lot and think maybe you could help me. And as social slash forward a person I am with everyone in my life, I can't talk about this with anyone else and no one knows we swing either. Thanks so much for your time. Again, I really enjoy your content and have learned so much from you. And this is from Mark. So Mark, um, you say that you've had the opportunity to check out my social media and blog posts, but you don't mention anything in here about podcast number 112. This is a podcast that I recorded that is my voice speaking to potential givers, which would be your wife. And basically what I do is introduce them to the subject. And I know this is a little, you know, late for that because you guys have already talked about it and you've done some play and she sort of decided that it's not for her. But um, 
What this does is it takes them through all of the misconceptions and myths and assumptions. I don't know if she has any of these, but it's quite possible. In the end, and no pun intended here, it is quite possible as well that she may listen to this and decide, yeah, okay, that's all fine and dandy. I really didn't have any of those misconceptions or assumptions or fears. And it's just not something I enjoy. And then that way, at least though, you will know that this just isn't for her. I am such a fan of pegging that it can seem sometimes that I think that everybody should just listen to podcast number 112 and then they'll be fine, meaning the givers anyway, because it is often the givers that are much more reluctant than the receivers. Not always, absolutely not always, but I'm going to put a link to this podcast and what you need to do is to listen to it first by yourself, by yourself, please, sir. And once you do that, you need to decide if it's appropriate for your partner, okay? And if you decide that, yes, this could really be helpful, then sit down and listen to it with her, with her. Really important because as I take you through these potential possible fears that she might have, like, well, what I know about pegging means that this is a different sexual orientation. I address that. Well, what I know about pegging makes me think that he's going to want to dress up in women's clothing. And I address that. And I don't say... No, he won't. What I say is, I don't know, because I don't know your partner and you have to talk to them about it, right? So then you pause the podcast and you guys have a conversation about it. What it does is it brings up all of those sometimes really super scary individual topics all in one podcast. And the best part about it, I think, is that I emphasize the relationship because what you've really done in expressing these desires to her is you've let her know you on a deeper level. You've let her know your kinks, your sexuality. You've let her in deeper. And that's a vulnerability. It's such a gift of, um, such a gift of intimacy. So no matter what happens and what she decides to do, uh, it's still a gift of intimacy. And it's possible that if it ends up occupying anything on a benign level to a good, if she can find some fun in it, even if it's just benign, sometimes partners do things for each other that they're not all that wild about, but they know it drives their partner nuts, you know, in a good way, <laughs> like, like crazy with pleasure. So it's possible that that may happen too. Um, and then as far as sort of in-between stuff and not jumping right back into pegging, because the learning curve is steep. It can feel difficult. It depends on how much time you guys have. If you have kids, there's all kinds of reasons why she may not want to do this. It could be that the equipment that you had was really painful. It didn't work very well. It was too hard for her. It was uncomfortable. There's so many different things. And if she doesn't like the thrusting, well, there's positions where you do the thrusting. There is a thigh harness, which I'll put the link to in the show notes that you can put on, she can put on her thigh and then you can ride her. You can do cowboy where you're in charge of it. You can do chairman, put links to those positions as well. So yeah, it's not all about thrusting. It can be in certain positions, but it doesn't have to be. You can be the one doing the work. And that might be a compromise that you get and you don't get any further because it's not really what she enjoys is the thrusting part. If that continues to carry on being her uh, objection to what she doesn't like about it. So, and sometimes there's, I mean, there's so many different reasons why people don't want to do stuff. I really appreciate all of the information that you gave me about your relationship and your sexual relationship, because uh, that 
helps me not ask questions about other parts of your life. Like, are you keeping your side of the street clean? If you weren't keeping your side of the street clean, you wouldn't be having sex every other day or sometimes twice a day. (laughs) I guarantee you, at least not in most relationships. (laughs) So yeah, that is pretty much what I have to offer for you. And like I've given the advice to already a couple of people, if you can really let her know how amazing it feels to have her inside you, how it makes you feel closer to her, how it kind of sometimes give you the peak of, of the pleasure that you can have during sex is so different and amazing and um, exceptional that it is something you really would love to enjoy with her that if she can understand the depth of that and and of your desire to try it and why. And then also, you know, you can throw in there and everybody else listening, including the people who I already gave this advice to earlier in the podcast, it's good for your prostate, you know. It really is. It's good for your prostate. If you've been together for 20 years, you're probably getting at the age where uh, prostate issues are a possibility. The uh, swollen prostate, so it helps prevent that. 50% of men in their 50s, 60% of men in their 60s, 70% of men in their 70s, you get the point. So yeah, swollen prostate is a thing. And if you have regular prostate massage, it helps avoid that. So all of those possibilities. Listen to that and figure out what you want to do with it. I'll put that link to the podcast number 112. It's gotten rave reviews, that podcast. And by anybody listening who has a curiosity about it, I've also made a podcast for givers who want to introduce hopeful receivers, meaning you want to talk to a receiver and introduce them to the subject. And it's slightly different, but I still really focus on the relationship and everything. I think those two podcasts do a great service, but certainly the one for givers is the one that gets the airtime and has done a great service for correcting the misconceptions and the myths, giving accurate information so that your partner can make a, can actually give you a response as opposed to a knee-jerk reaction. Okay, so good luck, sir. Please let us know how it goes. So I think we are done for today because we're kicking up over an hour here. And I'm not going to have any chatter at the end of this podcast either. <laughs> this is so different. I'm just kind of going, okay, all the expected things. I'm not doing them today. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm rebelling. I'm totally rebelling. Thank you for downloading and listening, everybody. You rock. Happy pegging and no shame.